filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Thanksgiving roundup, Ben, go. Oyster dressing is awesome, and it's very simple to make, and it's very Midwestern, even though I don't know why Midwesterners are so obsessed with oysters because we don't have them near us. I always thought of it as a Louisiana thing. My dad, we we always had oyster dressing and my dad learned to cook in New Orleans. So mm. and he was the one who made it. So that's what I but, always thought of. Well, I mean, it's a very Northern Indiana thing, uh, according to my family, because it's my grandmother's recipe that was, uh, she hand wrote on an index card and then that's been passed down to my mom. Uh, and now my sister has it, and I have a scan of it. And uh, all the people I've heard mention oyster dressing are all from the Midwest as well. And, well, at least the very specific saltine, uh, crushed saltine oyster dressing. The saltines have probably do- carrying a lot of uh, a lot of weight there. A lot of that weight, yeah, sure. Jason, so Thanksgiving good. roundup, go. Uh, I. Once again, I uh, was reassured by my, or reaffirmed my belief that the Thanksgiving leftover sandwich the day after is actually better than Thanksgiving in terms of just being a meal. Um, and if I had my druthers and could just construct Thanksgiving dinner for myself, it would be that sandwich uh, rather than the traditional big meal with everything spread out. Uh, so this reminds it would be so- off-putting. I feel like to others that I have Thanksgiving with. So this reminds me of something that we did all the time when I was growing up. And we'll get to your Thanksgiving roundup here in a minute, Adam. Um, but Will we? Yes. Nobody in my family except my mom liked pot roast growing up. So my mom would make pot roast. Mm-hmm. And then we would, she would eat it. And the rest of us would be like. <laughs> um, and then we would use it as leftovers for various things. And then eventually my mom was like fine whatever and so she would cook the pot roast and then turn it immediately into what we called post roast which is basically i would call it like pot roast salad it's like pot roast and carrots and mayonnaise and horseradish and then all of that blended together into a like chicken salad-esque paste and then put on sandwiches okay so that, that's kind of how I imagine Jason's uh, opinions towards Thanksgiving is he just wants to go straight to the post roast. Jason, do you want to just slather uh, mayonnaise? Have your turkey I, swim in I mayonnaise? I want to be abundantly clear that, that there's ben, no that pa- is the there's most no Ohio paste. stuff I've ever heard from you. It really I, is. You've been some it pretty really Ohio is. stuff on this show before. That is as much Ohio as it's possible to get. I just, I want to be clear. There's no, the closest thing to a paste element uh, in my, my preferred sandwich is the uh, canned uh, cranberry sauce because that's easier to slice and there's a consistency to it. Um, it It's a structural element, I think, like traditional cranberry sauce with actual cranberries. Uh, I also enjoy quite a bit, but, you know, there are like non uh non-consistent there's a non-consistent element there because you've got actual cranberries and then you've got 
like a thinner element. And what you need in a sandwich is something that's just going to fit in there flat, like a like a sliced tomato, for example, on a on a burger. And sometimes is, you just need the ridges from the can of the cranberry sauce. I mean, in, I'm on this, picturing don't... Jason putting putting the can <laughs> of cranberry sauce in in just like having the cranberry sauce come out with the ridges and all, and just putting it sideways because those ridges are going to give you some traction. You don't well, want that thing sliding out of your sandwich one way my, or the other. My sister, when she was little, always demanded to open the cranberry sauce because she enjoyed the slorp that uh, you get when the cranberry sauce comes right. out of the can. It's not unappealing. I know for some people it's very unappealing, but I feel like it's 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 pleasant. Um, but also, like, I'm not... In food takes in general, I have no food takes where I'm like, you are a monster if you disagree with me on this extremely minor hair splitting, and which is why I don't talk about food on the internet very much, because generally what happens when you do offer a food take, like, boy, I think this Thanksgiving sandwich I put together uh, it sure is good. People are like, you are an idiot and you should be in jail because you didn't put uh, like stuffing on your Thanksgiving sandwich. Adam, Thanksgiving roundup. You didn't say go. 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 Thank you. I took, I, I, I cooked a turkey. It was a very good turkey. It was from yeah. our, like we ordered it through our CSA. It's a slow growing bird that just lives in the woods basically they don't keep it in a pen at all it's just in the woods foraging uh and it it it's a little older than like your typical store-bought bird so the fat gets all into the muscles and stuff so the breast was remarkably juicy while being fully cooked which was really nice like to have juicy white meat um did you do traditional oven roasted or yeah just straight up nice uh didn't do any kind of brine just when I pulled it out of the fridge Thanksgiving morning, I to um to bring it to room temperature before it went into the oven, I you know sprinkled a, a bunch of salt on both sides and threw a bunch in the cavity, threw some uh, peppercorns in the cavity, uh, and in like a little bundle of herbs, and then dropped a bunch the giblets and a bunch of vegetables in the pan around it, and yeah, poured uh, some orange juice and water in there to make the gravy, uh, or to collect the the drippings as they came out, and the gravy was really good, and the bird was really good. It was nice. Awesome. Yeah, stuff other great. people cooked was good too, but but the turkey actually was really good. So, and I take nice. very little credit for it. It's mostly just you know, it was a good bird to cook on this occasion. I mean, so. tur- turkey is not the easiest bird to cook. So give yourself some credit. Okay, I I I, I am the man. Yeah. <laughs> hey hey, welcome in. It's filibuster the. Black and Red United, and Thanksgiving Roundup Podcast. We hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. We are all from blackandredunited.com. I'm Adam, joined as always by Jason and Ben. We're here to talk about DC United uh, and, and eat turkey, and we're all out of turkey. Actually, I don't think I am out of turkey yet. So uh, I'm that, was a, that was a I, lie. I have enough for one more something. I think we have some dark meat in the back of the fridge somewhere that I'm going to dig out and what were you leaving on the wings? Last... You didn't eat the dark meat because I was making idiot. sandwiches in jail. <laughs> you you're going to yeah you're going to Thanksgiving jail. Listen, I was making sandwiches and yeah. you got you, you can make sandwiches with take... dark meat. Yeah, but you have to like clean up, clean up the wings and the legs and you know the the breast was already sliced. <laughs> anyway, tonight we are talking about uh, DC United uh, in the first segment. In the second segment, we will bring our friend. Pablo Maurer on and we will talk about the coaching search and probably some other uh, 
soccer ephemera <laughs> that that has recently come to light. Before you do any of that, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, so I went uh, I, earlier. I was like, I need beer. So I'm going to go get some beer, but I, why not make a trip out of it? Why not go up to Annapolis? There's a uh, liquor store that has some stuff that I can't find anywhere else. So I was like, I'll go up there. And I was going to get Fuller's ESB, which I've talked about a lot on this show, especially like a few years ago. I was getting it more frequently. Um, and they were out, uh, which was very unpleasant for me personally. I just stood in the aisle looking sad uh, and maybe did there. like a like a George Michael Bluth walk down the aisle. Um briefly trying to find something else uh but what i did find is uh union uh brewing in baltimore's oktoberfest so it's oktoberfest season still as long as they keep having them uh it's still oktoberfest season in my mind so that's what i've got yeah oktoberfest right, nice. is great especially when you're drinking the same one <laughs> <laughs> it's a budweiser oktoberfest which is just a budweiser well, uh, but you I... gotta put the uh the, the munich flag on there somehow yeah, yeah, you, uh, like graphic design is my passion. Just a Budweiser yeah. with the Munich flag <laughs> just, on it. Just change a little bit of the blue of a Budweiser can and change it to the right shade of blue, and be like, ah, oh, it's fine. So you're talking about Bud Light? No, 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 no. Don't change the can in any other way. Just shape, okay. just slightly change the royal blue to a Munich blue, and okay. that's it. Right. It's already just a trim color, so it's a pretty minor, minor change. Yes, very, very, very minor change. So I've mentioned on the show that um, one of my responsibilities at Thanksgiving is making an old-fashioned bar, bringing the fixins for it. And um, we had a much smaller Thanksgiving this year. Obviously, everyone uh, who is responsible as a human being had a much smaller Thanksgiving than they probably usually do this year. Um, but but I put out the bar anyway and made my syrups. And uh, so I'm I'm using up some of that syrup tonight. I've got... Uh, some bourbon, and then the syrup is uh, allspice and cinnamon with sugar and water boiled together okay. until it gets a little bit thick, and then put into a mason jar in the fridge. And then um, some uh, black walnut bitters and barrel-aged bitters and some cherries, and it's pretty tasty. Nice, nice little beverage. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah. Cheers. Ben, what are you drinking? So last week I talked about my my family's holiday beverage and that that is steeped in tradition and tonight uh, i'm going back to my uh uh recent ish roots at least and, and drinking something uh just shitty just painful <laughs> mm. um i made a bourbon seltzer and by seltzer i mean i poured truly and a shot of bourbon into a glass but it's a truly lemonade so it's 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 almost like a whiskey sour, a whiskey fizz. It's not bad. But it's trash. But yeah, it's trash. <laughs> but it's not bad trash. Ben is a, an alcohol raccoon right now. Yeah. It's trash, but it's fine. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to improvise with what you got. And it's I don't true. have fancy syrups or shrubs or anything right now. I've got hard seltzers and bourbon. Make a syrup. I know you know how. I mean, we have simple syrup. Okay. That doesn't help me right here. Rather than, than fighting you on this, I am going to move on into the hashtag content of the show. It is the Monday after Thanksgiving as we record this. And apparently that day, this day, is when all the news happens at once around DC United rosters. Because we've got 
lots of that to, to talk about. DC United, of course, dropped their roster decisions today. Um, and then a couple other players have some news. We'll get to that later in the segment. Um, first up, we know some players who will not be returning to, to DC United next year and some who are, are up in the air. Um, lots of players had their contract options declined. These were where DC United just had to basically check a box and inform the league and these guys would still be players. Uh, generally comes with a higher salary point than they were at previously, um, which is why a lot of these guys are probably getting cut. But the the players whose options were declined, declined are Mohamed Abu, Earl Edwards Jr., O'Neill Fisher, Felipe Martins, Helman Ribas, and Axel Schoiberg. Um, reports from Steve Goff are that Earl Edwards Jr., Felipe, and Ribas are all in talks with the team to to stick around, or the team is pursuing keeping them just at a different price than they would have cost. Um, and I guess just to get through all the names, and then we'll talk about whatever we want to. Uh, guys who are definitely coming back, their options were exercised. Uh, Joseph Mora, Junior Moreno, Ulysses Segura, and Jordi Reyna, uh, who we didn't see very much of this year, but you know, it, it was that kind of year, and he came late. Uh, out of contract, but potentially coming back on new contracts next year are Chris Aduichem and Chris Seitz, uh, the backup goalkeeper. So, Jason, initial thoughts on this list. What jumps out? Uh, I mean, I guess just as a brief point, I will tack on. It's not that big of a deal to me, but I know for other people it was maybe a question mark. Um, the details of the deal that bought that brought Reyna from Vancouver uh, to D.C., um, I believe there was, uh, and I'm, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking through the article about it now. Um, once, uh, I guess the details that the team say are that if they sign Reyna to a new contract or if they trade or transfer him anytime before the end of 2021, um, they owe Vancouver some additional compensation. Uh, so exercising this option does not, uh, trigger True. any sort of, um, extra stuff going to mm-hmm. the white caps. Um, we don't really know what the, there, there were no details about what that compensation even is. So, um, but yeah, the, exercising the Reina option doesn't change anything for DC. That's the one thing they could do that doesn't uh, switch anything up as far as that goes. And, and staying in the weeds for a second before we get into to bigger picture stuff, it, it, it's a little hard to analyze these decisions because the MLS Players Union didn't release salary figures at all this year. And on right. the one hand, you can understand that because of COVID and and uh, getting MLS's back ready, then uh, the, the fall games and then the playoffs, that they had a lot on their plate. But also, like, I think they could have done it once. And so the particulars that we can usually estimate, like who's on a senior contract, who's uh, who's – uh, on the supplemental roster, all of these various uh, MLS minutia things, we have much less information about this year. Right? And Wasn't so, there also a ten percent pay cut the players agreed to at some point? In or theory, some, some kind of pay cut that yes. they no, there there was an agreed to but, pay cut, and, and it was structured in such a way that I think people making under a hundred thousand dollars didn't uh, per year didn't yeah. get a pay right. cut. Right. So and... so even if we had gotten numbers this year, it wouldn't have been apples to apples, and it, right. we it might not have even confusing. been able to figure out roster places because right because of that. So I think even if they had released numbers, it would have been less useful than in normal years. 
Yes, right. but you're right. We don't we don't even have that limited window. But yes, and so I'll just jump into my my big picture, and it's just like it, I, I'm of two minds. Like looking at the 15 players under contract, there is a good core there, um, but I'm also a little apprehensive that they're when you're looking at everything that Goff has reported and that, that the team has has uh, put out there, they're bringing back 20, 21, maybe even 22 players. And so they don't have a lot of wiggle room uh, uh, going forward into the offseason. I assume, I, I must assume that they're going to sign more players for next season than they did for this season because, as we said, this entire year, they signed too few players for... 2020 but we're looking at six seven new signings uh barring trades which dave casper will probably do some trades as well uh right but it's it's no matter what happens it's not going to be as big of an overhaul as as some people might want which uh, I, I will point out we have a i believe i've still got it in the near the front of the top of the yeah um if you go to Black and Red United, and just look at our landing page, there's an article that's headlined right there looking at DC United's roster going in the offseason that Ryan Kiefer wrote that yeah. um, that predicted this was coming because of yeah. what what contract information we did have coming into the year um, did indicate that a lot of players are going to be, were going to be around for next season. Yeah. Um, so there, there wasn't, I mean, you would have to make a very, this wasn't an easy year to do a roster overhaul if you wanted to i like i've said i think about a month ago i don't think they need a roster overhaul necessarily um but this was not going to be a year where it was easy to do one because you're going to have to get rid of players who are under contract um this wasn't like everyone's contracts coming up so we can just you know clean house by letting them all leave this wasn't going to be one of those so um yeah it's not a big surprise that we're only talking about um I mean, we've got eight players who are either leaving or in talks to return or what have you. It's not a major um, blow it up and clean house kind of thing. So uh, I think the math was we have 15 guys who are under contract for sure. Four guys whose options were exercised. So that's 19 players. You can go up to 30. And if you don't go up to 28, you get budget charged for up to 28 effectively, right? So there's there's room for 11 guys on this roster, not counting um, Earl Edwards, Felipe, Rivas, Adui Acham, and Seitz, who, who might be coming back. It, up to 11 guys could be coming. Could be as small as, you know, three or four new guys. Hopefully it's it's more than that. Because, But I'm more concerned with, I would like to know where the team's roster budget uh, or budget roster is. How much room do they have to bring guys in. And I, this might be one of the reasons Jordi Reyna, they're, they're happy to bring him back on a TAM deal because once a guy gets into the TAM range, which I think Jordi Reyna is going to be now, you well, can use that, TAM. His existing oh. contract was TAM. We don't know what his option is. Oh, okay. Like his option could be a raise. It could be lower. Um, we have no idea how could have been structured yeah. his deal. Yeah. Um, which is just another, like we're, we're kind of flying blind on a lot of this stuff. Um, yeah. So, one thing about TAM, though, is that you can buy players down to below the maximum 
mm. uh, budget hit, which you can't yeah. do with the DP. Designated player always counts as the maximum budget hit right. for a player. Uh, depending on their age, that number is different, but uh, right. it always counts for the same amount. With a TAM player who is above that maximum hit, but below a million dollars and change, basically, you can use TAM to buy them down, I think, up to one and a half million or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's one there. point something but i'm what part of me wants to say it's like 1.2 but i i don't know right so you can buy them down to basically a a a replacement level player salary as far as the budget is concerned um you only have so much tam to go around but that that gives you a lot more flexibility so it could be i i would like to see some i i wish i could see the the books and the numbers to to know what kind of space they have um but no no does that really no, that's that's true, um, but no league has the 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 mech the the mechanisms and machinations well, that uh, that MLS has. To, we're used to this information existing in the other American sports, where like even like I'm even aware like vaguely that like an NBA team has the cap room to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't even follow the NBA. Sure, um, but they've also like got they like have, the mid level exception. And... Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, my, my point is that we're used to getting a lot of information in these leagues where there are also a billion rules. Um, right. It's just that in soccer, the other soccer leagues do not have this many rules, nor do they have this, uh, you know, temporary vacuum of information. Um, because normally it's like, well, you don't know anything, and also the teams can do whatever they want. Um, and instead, we have many, many rules that we have to keep track of, which is why I can't keep track of whether it's 1.2 or 1.5 as the uh, TAM cap. Um, because, well, it changes every year anyway. Right. And there are also 600,000 MLS rules to remember. Um, and there's not like a place that you can just go and get all of them at once. Um, and that extends to, um, I, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before, but I've known this for a couple of years now that like teams uh, communication staffs do not necessarily have a, there's not like a book. MLS doesn't send you a, a book that says these are the rules or a thumb drive with a giant document in it. Um, this stuff is put together. Like maybe the GMs have that. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but the teams are like, we, how can we write about this official trade in language that doesn't like trip up on the rules? And basically they've got to put it together on their own, just like, like we're doing as outsiders, um, which is crazy. The league should, you know, give them the information they need. I feel like that's not a big ass. This is also, this is one of my hopes for for gambling <laughs> being a a more prominent activity in and around MLS. Is gamblers love information? They want to have information. Um, this is why NFL injury reports are borderline sacrosanct. It's because of gamblers and that industry. Well, MLS injury reports are not sacrosanct. We uh, have no anything, information. This year, this year they've gotten less and less uh defined like inf- injury reports mean less this year than they meant in 2019 yeah and so this year's direction. also there's some other things there's some other things happening this year sure no no no. Uh, but i mean in general like yeah i think what i want though is as gambling increases with mls and viewership increases what i want is to see more transparency i hope that that is i hope that increased attention from gamblers and others uh, forces the league into more transparency. That is my one hope for, for that particular aspect. What I, what I would prefer is uh, one of our listeners uh, 
if you're not a GM and can just hand us the the giant book of MLS rules, I need you to go into a uh, uh, Mission Impossible style uh, or Ocean's Eleven style uh, heist to steal the big book of of roster rules from MLS headquarters, maybe from Don Garber's hands himself, and then and then get it to us. I bet the league setup is exactly the same as in Mission Impossible. So, like, if you're doing the heist, you need to go watch that movie and prepare for all of the, um, the like air temperature control and right. like the pressure control on the floor. Um, and you have to watch out if somebody has like a pen over your drink, they're going to squirt something that poisons you and makes you sick. Um, so that you go to the also bathroom. you have to do it during a boxing match, and so you may have missed your well, opportunity. No, in Mission Impossible, the uh, oh, the Mission Impossible, is- not. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In Mission Impossible, yeah. what they use is a fake fire alarm. Like they use a hacker to pretend that there's a fire alarm, so they get in there just as fire, well, fire people because uh, it's it's mostly men, but there's also a lady because that's that's how movies get made. You got to have one lady in there um, <laughs> because that's fair. That makes it equivalent. Um, yeah, anyway. I, this is what happens. I was I was checking something else and and thought we were talking about Ocean's Eleven and not Mission no. Impossible. So um, that, that's where I am right now. To to go back like. A solid 15 minutes uh adam you asked because I, I this all started with like a point of order about jordi reyna um so to circle back on what i actually was going to say after that but we we got into a bunch <laughs> of stuff we need to get into but i do want to go back um yes i mean the the big name i feel like as far as the guys that are leaving is obviously um o'neill fisher you know yeah. actual schuberg yeah. i feel like no one is surprised that he was going to leave like he couldn't right. get a start when they only had he was half of the healthy center backs and he was still not started. Um, that's a sign that you're not going to get to play next year for the team. Um, Muhammad Abu, we've talked about already that, you I know, liked him though. Very, he, very he was, good player, but there's a just terrier. a backlog. Yeah, no, yeah. a really good player, um, but a player where there's a backlog and he was on loan and the other guys are not. So yeah, he's coming yeah, off a major yeah. injury. Right. It's, it's, it's not the, it's kind of a slam dunk, unfortunately. Um, I would not if the team wants to restructure their whole roster when the new coach comes in. Um, I would urge that coach to maybe take a look at the games Abu played and maybe consider talking to Strong Godset and being like, "Hey, if you don't want this guy," um, but as is now, this is the sensible thing. But Fisher, I can't wrap my head around the team's choice there um, because yes, he didn't. He ended up down the stretch the last ten games or so. He wasn't a starter anymore. Um, Odoyachem had outplayed him for the job um which is kind of the idea that we've talked about so often with the dc united is when you have competition for spots the team tends to do well we've been Um, saying this for a decade yes and this was a spot where they had obvious competition where it's two players who are very similarly talented and one of them took a step forward as a player this year and therefore got to be the starter but it's not like fisher was bad like it's not a two-way it's not a two-way thing like odoya chem took a step forward it, but before that, Fisher was probably ahead of him, um, which means that he's not that far behind now. Um, it's not like we have a ton of depth at fullbacks is, like we yeah. talked about the entire year. And so we're talking about uh, Fisher is the the one fullback on the team who is the most versatile. He can play pretty comfortably on either side. Uh, he's obviously a good guy in the locker room. He obviously works very hard at, at all the intangible stuff, all the... Um, off-field stuff like this is not someone we have to worry about showing up out of shape for camp um because of all the if he was if he was in that category he never would have come back from his knee injury um so 
this is, I feel like a guy that, I felt like there was no reason to let him go. Um, maybe his option was too expensive um, and he maybe disagreed. And so they were like, well, it's better for me to just go. Maybe that's the case, but we don't know that at this point. All we have is that the team has declined his option and has not started talks with him yet. Um, and I I feel like that's not the best call. Um, I feel like you're going to have a hard time finding a Fisher equivalent for the price anywhere in the league or via the international market or whatever they're, wherever they're going to go. Um, and they're probably going to need a player that can do exactly what he does. Um, even if he stayed Odoya Chem's backup at right back and was also someone that played, you know, four or five times off the bench as a left back substitute over the course of the year, um, you're going to have a hard time finding someone who can do that as well as he was going to do it for the money that he is going to get. So that one, I do not understand. Um, the rest of it, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense to me. Um, but Fisher, I feel like that was a kind of, to me that was a one that was like, yeah, you should probably keep him. This this makes sense yeah. to me that you would keep him. And um, the Even only if you're way really I can... high on uh, on Jacob Green, sure, sure, um, because Who... Jacob Green is 17 years old. And right. I also needed more. He, even if you really, and also with. you need right. Exactly. Like even with Jacob Green, that's four fullbacks. Now it's three fullbacks. Actually, it's two fullbacks until they sign Chris Aduyachim again. Yes. Uh, at which point it becomes three. So we're we're like right back in that situation where we we have two fullbacks, uh, and, and, and I don't look, love it. You know, they, the the only way I can make it make sense in my head is the idea that like the team was like, we think you should make less money, and Fisher was like, I don't think that's true, and the team was like, well if you would rather leave, then we'll just let you leave. And he said, I would rather leave. That would make sense. I mean, it may be that we're still speculating as to whether that was, it could well be that they were like, we don't want you on the team anymore. Right. And Fisher is not eligible for free agency in the limited way that it exists in MLS. He will go through the re-entry draft. And maybe it's a case where the team is going to say, look, you're free to enter that. And if, if someone takes you, then in the first round, you have to pay them that option. Yes. Um, in the second round, you're free to negotiate whatever price. So maybe DC United and he, you know, let him go through the the first round of the reentry draft. And if someone takes him, sure. Via Condios, if not, then he sits down with DC United. I don't know. We don't. We don't know what the I case will is. add that if they were likely to take that that ladder route of like hoping that he's still there in round two of the reentry draft, they probably would have said like, "Well, we're in talks," um, because that yeah. is a form of talks. Um, yeah loosely speaking in MLS. So the fact that they were willing to differentiate between three guys who they are in talks with and three guys who they are not in talks with, uh, as far as the option declines, it kind of says to me that they've decided that he's not going to be back, which sucks. I like O'Neill Fisher. I think yeah. there was a, also, I think that there was just like a pretty easily defined spot within the roster for him. That was not right. just a like, courtesy. The, I need them to have enough fullbacks that it is <laughs> statistically unlikely that Russell Knauss is going to play as a fullback in 2021. That is that's the a lowest request. of bars, but uh, yeah. But they didn't uh, meet it It's one they haven't met in the last no. two years. So let's, yeah, let's meet uh, that bar in 2021. It, you <laughs> we know, need a catchy for... slogan for that. For that one goal of 2021. Right. I don't, no, I think I don't have be... a catchy slogan. I think no, we no, need it. It should be completely, it should be completely ham-fisted. It should be, I want them to sign enough fullback so Russell Knauss is statistically unlikely to play fullback in 2021. All right, Ben, let's try it as a chant. What do we want? 
Russell Canal is not to play fullback uh, in a statistically significant amount of time. I don't think that was it. But when we're do we want it? it? In when do we want it? <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, the other when you look at the guys that they're in talks with still, um, yeah, Felipe's name jumps out. Yeah, um, and, and I also think that this is not surprising yes. that this no, is where not. that ended up because his contract coming here was about five hundred thousand. Uh, I think it it might have been five hundred thousand on the dot. Yeah, um, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty close to that. Um, and I I think that there's probably it seems like Felipe wants to be here. He was tweeting about uh, Ariola and Hamid today in response to the team account. So I feel like he's not too broken up about the situation. He's probably savvy enough to know that this was coming. Um, and I feel I feel for him because his ACL injury happened at. For, from a worker perspective, the worst possible time. Yeah. Um, because now he's trying to renegotiate a deal with a team uh, that he seems to want to play for uh, while also having this injury hanging over him. So his leverage is gone. Um, right. I wonder, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in that classic veteran DC United player coach role, depending on who the new coach is and whether they want a, a player coach. Um I guess Felipe Felipe is not as old as I want to think he is. That's that's what I was going to bring. The problem, he's only thirty. Um, it just he's been around forever. Yes. And also, can I can I can I take an aside here for a second? It is wild that all of these decisions are being made, and there's no head coach. Like the head coach right. doesn't the and the new head coach doesn't get any say in sure. in these decisions. This and is MLS reality. Gonna, well, it's, yes, it's bad. It's bad for DC, I feel like, but this yeah, is the I, reality of MLS. If you can't make your coaching decision fast enough, you get stuck. Right. Uh, because and, uh, today so was the, a deadline. Right. And so the new DC United coach who we'll talk about, uh, the, the options we'll talk about with uh, Pablo Maurer uh, here in a bit. The new coach has like two thirds to three quarters of his roster just already decided for him uh, before he gets in. And, and like, th- that's not too strange, but it's like, even these marginal cases have already been decided. Like maybe the new coach right. thought O'Neill Fisher was good enough to make the team. He doesn't get to make that decision anymore. And, and it, it's, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's, yeah, just, it, it sucks. That's, that, that's the way the off season is scheduled and that's the way how MLS works. Yeah. I, I will say any serious coaching candidate, um, should be developing their opinions on some of these players and some of the requirements, like how much do you need this player? Um, And if a coach gets hired uh, and feels strongly enough about it, they should be lobbying like, yeah, this is someone I, this is not a player I would have let go. Maybe it's Fisher, maybe for whatever reason, maybe they're like, no, Muhammad Abu is exactly what I want. Um, Call Strum Godset up and make sure that they, you know, are interested because they're probably still interested in, they wanted him out before, like the loan was just a, like, we don't know what to do with this person. Um, and you know, with Felipe, maybe, maybe the new coach comes in and is like, I don't need Felipe. Or maybe they're like, I absolutely need Felipe. Um, right. So if he comes to the table and he says, you know, I, I will resign for 400,000 and you're hung up at three fifty. give him the extra 50,000 and be done with it. Um, but yeah, that's something that a coach should have input in, but the MLS schedule is extremely harsh for this stuff. And, um, you know, DC is stuck between a rock and a hard place because you either have to make these roster decisions without a coach in place, or you have to 
speed run your coaching search and then end up maybe not doing your due diligence there. So um, unfortunately, it's a bad thing uh, for everyone involved. But also, if you're getting these serious interviews and you don't have any specific opinion about these players, you aren't really doing a good job of presenting yourself as like you're not a viable candidate in my mind. If if yeah. if I'm across the table from you and I'm like, so we had to make our roster decisions. What do you think? And you're like, uh, I don't know. Um, then really I'm, I'm very hoping... soon like, well, it's been nice speaking to you. We'll get back to you soon. And then we're you know having a you know a very you will not a form get back email. to them. <laughs> right, it's a form email gets sent to you in like a week and a half. Um, no, honestly, yeah. I almost want it to be mo- even more proactive. Like if, if the people who have been in for, for second interviews weren't giving their opinions on what DC United should do with these contract situations before this deadline, what kind of job interview are they doing at that point? Like, cause yeah. they, all of these people that we've heard about being in, in second round or in the final round have had multiple conversations. If after the first one, you're interested in the job, you start doing your research, you start looking into players, you maybe talk, you know, talk to someone lower level in the front office if you have permission to do that to to get some of these dynamics. And then you, you know, start forming opinions and you can have that conversation with uh, Dave Casper and with Jason Levy and with Kaplan uh, in the, the, the broader, or the, you know, the, the follow-up interview. That's what that interview is for is not just to see who you are as a person and who you are as a coach. You need to have specifics at that point because this is the job, basically. Mm-hmm. You have to show you can do the job. Right. But but coming back to Felipe, I think there's definitely – there's room for Felipe to come back um, and yeah. room to pay him a starter's salary. It's just maybe not at the, the half a million range, um, especially coming back from the ACL and the fact that DC has – Canals and Junior Moreno and Moses Nyman. Um, you've got to find time for all these guys. But yeah, um, Felipe brings a little something different because he's that he has that playmaking element that Canals and Moreno don't have. Um, but he's got that experience and quite frankly, that meanness that Moses Nyman maybe doesn't have. Um, it's not really his style. Um, and so I don't know what a new coach is going to want to do formation wise, maybe they're probably not going to come in and play only one defensive midfielder. Um, But there's a little versatility there in terms of like how, what is the role of your number six um, that Felipe has that maybe Moreno doesn't, for example. Um, And I think that there's a real use for that. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if he comes back and it it doesn't, maybe it drags into like towards Christmas, but I don't think it's going to be any real, I'm not in any real doubt that he's not back next year. I feel like they'll probably make a deal that works for everyone involved. Um, and it won't be, it may, you know, I'm sure we'll have some people who are like this. They'll, we'll see the wage sometime next spring and it'll be like, oh, this is too much. And it's like, well, it's too much by like $20,000. Calm down. Um, not $200,000. Right. This is not worth getting worked up over. Like my, the very minor inefficiencies in MLS, it's just not worth your time. Um and yeah. I, 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 oh, go ahead, I, I just I feel like also I feel like the way that MLS rosters have expanded over the past decade uh, money wise and the way that GAM and TAM and all these other different monetary things have have entered the picture like I feel like policing the amount of money players are getting is just pointless because you don't know how much that is contributing to the actual salary cap so 
I think it's a fool's errand to try and analyze like, oh, this player is getting too much. I, at the end of the day, like they're working hard. Just give them their money. Take take as much money as you can from the from the billionaire owners. Right, but there's a set amount of money that's going to be taken from the billionaire owners. That that pie is outside of DPs. That pie isn't changing based on your contract. So it's it, it comes down to if if the team is maxed out on its roster budget, could that money if it's if it is two hundred thousand dollars more than a player's worth, that money could be spent sure. somewhere else. But but that's a another player could be yeah well, yeah exactly that's not a minor one yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm talking that's about twenty, the... fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's fine. as uh, as for as for the rest of the group. I think you know Rivas has a place um, within the team. Uh, we have no idea how much money he was signed for initially, so we have no idea um, what the, other than they are probably trying to negotiate for less, but we don't know how much less. Um, but I have no problem with them re-signing Rivas. I don't think they should enter next season with a team where it's Kamara, Rivas, and Sorga are the strike the the out and out strikers, um, supported by like Reyna and Flores as potential second forwards. They shouldn't do that. But I do think there's a place for Rivas in within the Yeah, there's sure. definitely a place for Rivas. It's just it comes back to me again about the the head coach like if they re-sign Rivas, they're up against the wall with international spots and they're going to have to do something to acquire more or to vacate people from those current international spots. And so I don't, I don't know if that's a decision I, I like, again, we're, we're up against the deadline, but. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that these not being able to the have ones that they're in talks with, but they haven't agreed to, they might wait until there's a coach. Which makes sense because those are yeah that that's flexibility that you're looking at there as far as uh, spend and as far as international spots like you were talking about Ben yeah I mean it's 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 all it's all just crappy that it's it's compressed in this way and that the new coach is like I said the new coach is going to have a lot of their roster already decided for them uh, when they walk in the door and to to clarify the international roster spot stuff, like as, as we're sitting here talking on November 30th, um, DC has six, six spots. All six are filled. Um, Rivas though would be one of them. So I'm technically one is open until he is re-signed, but I'm, I wouldn't, I would consider, I would, it's best to think of him as already holding that spot until that changes. Until um, proven otherwise. Um, and DC, all right, <laughs> buckle up because uh, I have all of them listed click, out. Click. Um, DC has a spot they traded to Portland that returns to DC after the 2020 season. They have a spot they traded Plus to one. Vancouver that comes back after the 2020 season. Plus two. Uh, they have a spot that they traded to Colorado that returns after 2021. So that one's nope. further down the road. Uh, they have another spot just like that with the impact. So that's another 2021 issue, not a 2020, uh, winter issue. Um, they also owe a spot to Vancouver, uh, after 2020, um, and they owe one to sporting Kansas city, Kansas city after 2020. So we're back to, we're we're basically back to nothing. Back where we are. we, We stay at six. Um, as things are constructed. And, and I will add that this is the second time, second year in a row that DC has with a different team from the Pacific Northwest uh, has had both 
a, they are holding one of ours and we're holding one of theirs and they just switch places without any actual practical change for anyone involved. Right. Last year it was Vancouver. This year it's the Whitecaps. I assume Wait, that we will have... Last year it was deal. Portland, you said. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Vancouver. Right. Um, and I assume that uh, Seattle will be up uh, in, in 2021 for this same... Yeah, probably uh, We'll do some Garth Lagerway tradition at this point. This is how we relate to those teams is more via this trade rather than actual games uh, because we almost never play those teams. Especially Vancouver, it seems like for some reason. I, I like feel we, like we haven't played. We Portland play Vancouver. In six years. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but when we do play them, we play them like twice in three months. Yeah. yeah and... What it is with Vancouver is that our games against them are usually like remarkable in some way. Right. Um, either it's like the, the opening of a stadium or there's some other bizarre thing happens. Um, yes. But then we don't see them for 18 months minimum. Yeah. So uh, before we end this segment and, and get into the, the talk of DC United coaching searches, um, shouts to Bill Hamid and Paul Ariola. They are in Greg Berhalter's U.S. Men's National Team camp ahead of their uh, the game against El Salvador, which is down in Florida on December 9th, I want to say. Yes. So, uh, you know, D.C. United will have representation. There's a reason to care about the U.S. Men's National Team, e- even in this camp. Um, no, there isn't. Just rooting for our guys. This game, sh- this game should not happen. I mean, none of these games should happen. <laughs> right. On a, on a real level. But here we are this is this is the decision that has been made so uh i guess that's it for this segment i wish i had a better way of ending it than this is the decision that has been made but here we are uh please stick around we'll have pablo mauer after the break this is filibuster all right say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you called the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the black and red united podcast uh we said in the last segment we'd be talking about the DC United coaching search again in, in this second segment. And that's what we're going to do. And who, who better to do it with than the athletics, Pablo Maurer, who has been following this and uh, dropping scoops here and there on it. Uh, Pablo, welcome back to filibuster. Always happy to be here. Happy to have you. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, it's a 7.5 ounce can of ginger ale. 
<laughs> and apparently I stole from like a, a you know a, a regional jet aircraft or something. <laughs> I don't know. You, you didn't even you didn't even fly on it. You just you just went to to National Airport and just grabbed it out of a exactly. holding yeah. pattern. No, fantasizing I'm not your plane right now. So <laughs> no. yeah. A criminal yeah. ring that just uh, robs the the cafe cart before it gets to. Uh, are, are you talking about a different Rocky. heist thing now? Yeah, multiple okay, heists are happening. We're just doing all heists tonight. That's the new one. They hit the like they hit the snack like the snack truck on the way to the airplane. Right. I feel more yeah. to prosecute that. People would just be so confused. <laughs> like, what's, what's the end game here? It's like snack. Well, tiny, tiny biscotti. Yeah, yeah we we needed 157 small bags of honey roasted peanuts. Yeah, obviously, what's, yeah. What's what's so uh, what's so hard to, to yeah? Jesus, my brain is really <laughs> right now, guys. I'm sorry, been a lot of been a lot of soccer slam. I guess, so. <laughs> Trust me, we're going to talk about that later. Um, I read I read the story; it's incredible. Um, I got to bring it up later. First, though, let's let's talk about the coaching search. You reported on Friday that DC United has spoken multiple times and has serious interest from Manchester City assistant uh, Rodolfo Burrell, who I, I'll let you go through his resume, which is which is pretty outstanding. But um, yeah, I mean, he was he was Leo Messi's first coach at Barcelona. He, he was uh, an academy coach uh, there at various levels in their academy for fourteen years. Moved to uh, Liverpool, um, was the academy director there. Obviously, oversaw sort of the resurgence of their academy after years of stagnation, um, and then uh, eventually moved to Man City. Eventually, in 2016, made the leap to to Pep Guardiola's uh, expansive, you know, staff of assistant coaches. I have no idea what any of them do, but there's like 13 of them. Um, <laughs> More recently absorbed sort of um, Mikel Arteta's duties when he left for Arsenal. And, um, yeah, I mean, he does have, like, a bit of a an MLS connection that he he's done sort of, like, some consulting work, I think, for NYCFC, maybe taught a couple clinics. Um, you know, bilingual, speaks English very well. Obviously, his pedigree is sort of uh, beyond comparison that he would bring a, a pretty insane level of experience to to any MLS team. And apparently, based on my reporting that people I talked to, he does really want to come to MLS. I don't know if it's going to happen with DC United, um, but, you know, we'll see. Like I said, I, I think they've had a, a few serious conversations. You have to wonder if they can afford him, even, you know? I mean, I don't yeah. know what an assistant in the EPL and a team like Man City makes, but it has to be more than the five or six or $700,000 that they're thinking of paying somebody right now. You know? Right, especially when you, you think about the promotions he's gotten since he got to to Manchester City going through from their academy to directing the academy coaches to being an assistant to stepping up as a, a higher level assistant. Um, you expect those are pay raises coming along with each of those moves. Um, yeah, that was going to be my next question is what kind of payout would DC United yeah. be willing to make? Know, there? Willing to spend, you know, I, I, I did actually never put this out, but I, I have it on pretty good authority that um Matias Almeida was making almost two million dollars last year with the Quakes, you know, Ooh. and that GBS was making like a million and a half thereabouts. Let's let's break down the uh the, the uh dollar per point on uh GBS yeah. salary there. 
Right. It'd be worse than I think I did the math for for Rafa Marquez once for minutes played, and it was like right. incredible. It was something like ten, fifteen thousand dollars per minute or something like that. Um, hey, per red card earned, though, is worth every penny. That's, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I don't know. Um, DC obviously have a few other candidates that are pretty interesting, but um, you have to think that if they're if they're willing to spend. You know, I, I don't know. I was pretty blown away. If, if he if he wants to come, it seems like like almost a no brainer. Um, but who knows? Yeah, we we have seen also these coaches from Europe come here and sort of flame out pretty quickly sometimes. So yeah, he so could I, be up. He could be a Hans Baca. Probably not, but he could. But although I, I think there's there's that is sort of a flawed perception that like people say it about Domi Torad, for example, because he like. Obviously failed to, you know, the, the bar is pretty high with NYCFC. They didn't really advance in the playoffs. But, like, if you have a list of coaches who have coached more than, I want to say, 25 games in MLS, he has something like the eighth or ninth highest right. points per game. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, Toronto was good. Yeah. yeah. They had yeah. 64 points last year. Um, yeah. Like, he, he left with, like, an excellent – like, if DC had 64 points uh, in the next two seasons, I feel like people would be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a stylistic and playoff expectations kind of thing with yeah. with them. He didn't get them over the bar that they wanted to get past, and they weren't as fun to watch. So, and he also didn't necessarily enjoy uh, some of the restrictions of MLS, which uh, are infinite almost. Dealing with the media, right? <laughs> yeah, did, like having to talk to um, us after last, a game. Last, for like, exactly, his last impact was screaming, "You're an embarrassment." excuse me yeah. an effing an embarrassment and a journalist <laughs> in his last press conference so yes. you know whatever uh, speaking of which i miss ben you know i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> speaking of getting getting your effing embarrassment screamed at your press conference yeah, you're, you're not gonna get derided by him anymore love yeah, it i remember yeah. but, right remember back in 2013 when i had the press pass for the site um that there was an olsen availability um on on a training day and nobody showed up except me so it was just an accidental one-on-one that i was not at all ready for and just sit down and just start talking with him and he just gets like i'm asking like questions basically from a fan's perspective and he's just kind of like going with it but also kind of getting agitated about it like about the assumptions that are inherent in the questions and he's just like hold on back it up why is that the question (laughs) like it was just kind of a fun back and forth like getting really philosophical with ben olsen yeah, I, honestly, man, I, I think the can, of all the candidates outside of Burrell, the one I'm probably most interested in is is Gonzo Pineda. Yep, um, same. As, as are we? On the show. Yep. Yeah, and he's like he was sort of the architect of a lot of Seattle success. Whether it's true or not, he gets a lot of credit for the way they play. Um, you know, people sort of assume he's he's the brains behind Schmetzer's operation. He's multicultural. He's, you know, obviously bilingual. He has a ton of MLS experience. Uh, well, it, you know, a sufficient amount of MLS experience as a player and a coach. Um, that's the name to me that really stuck out. You know, um, where does Chris where does Henriksen, et cetera, just don't move the needle in the same way for me? I guess you know, but yeah. Um, where does he stand from what you've you've your your sources have said? Is he still in the running? Is he still uh, does? Are DC United still looking at Pineda? Because his name kind of came up later, and yeah, um, I know they've spoken with him. I don't know 
that he's a finalist and you're down to four people. Uh, I also heard the other day that Ezra Hendrickson is sort of out of the running, um, but there was sort of conflicting reports on that. But I'll say that like the info I got seemed pretty good to me. Um, I think it just obviously, you know how it is, has to rise to a certain standard to, to be reportable, but my suspicion is that he's no longer in consideration. Um, so yeah, I mean, my money this, at this point is probably on, on Chris Harmis or, you know, I don't think, I don't think Joe is going to happen either, you know, but, right. but again, it's my gut feeling. Um, and if we're, ta- right. if we're being honest, then I think she's probably smart not to take the job, even if it's offered to her. I think we exist in a, like you saw it with Sarah Fuller, Vandy's kicker this past weekend, where it's like, they ran a design swim kick and like her kick wasn't the most graceful. And it's sort of one of those things where everybody jumped down her throat immediately. Like the bar is going to be yeah. so much higher for Jill Ellis and MLS. And she honestly should start out with an organization that just has a better track record of supporting coaches and, you know, player personnel and, decisions, that sort of stuff. And if she's going to take um, all that, all that BS, she should get paid better than probably what DC United will offer her. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. I don't know what she would get paid. I mean, her her obviously her salary with the U.S. was public information. It was yeah. obviously three was seven like, years, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know. three four hundred. Uh, that's not like a year-round gig, but uh, you know, you would think she would get at least five or six or seven hundred thousand dollars. You know, from MLS side, if she doesn't, it would be criminal. You know, yeah. I don't put it past I don't put it past a bunch of MLS teams that would like to lowball her. You know, so. right. You know, figure seventy uh, percent of what they'd pay to a male coach, and exactly, yeah. Uh, Pablo, this is like with, with Burrell. At least this is like it's kind of becoming like a trend a little. Like it's not just him; it's not just Torrent. Um, is there something to like NYCFC kind of being the portal for all of these coaches to be like? Well, maybe like maybe they heard from Patrick Vieira or or someone else along the line like is this a good place to go is this starting to become like a maybe a network uh thing where coaches in europe are like actually mls might not be so bad yeah i, mean, I think you saw with players probably five or six years ago i remember we talk i would talk to euro players and they would say yeah you know i talked to so-and-so about it or guys in the locker room talk about mls with more regard these days i think um i think maybe it's twofold with coaches because i think they, they probably also view MLS as like a a safe bet to kind of come and try and hack it away from prying eyes. You know, I know like it's not the most, there's obviously not the most media attention, even in this country in the league, let alone in Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it is like easier for them to do it. On the other hand, man, I've always said, you know, I've always been shocked for like Owen Coyle or somebody like that. Like a coach that just like come here is absolute shit. And then, mm-hmm. um, immediately gets hired by like a championship team or something like that. Like, like, right. like nothing happened. I've always been shocked that, you know, I would I always think that like the, like, I think the risk for Thierry Henry right now is like flames out of Monaco comes to Montreal. If he has like two or three bad years there, I just feel like his coaching career could be over because I feel mm-hmm. like there are also people in Europe who might view MLS as like, Oh, well, if you can't hack it there, then he certainly can't run like an English side or a Spanish side when, when in reality, man, I think. I mean, you can uh, always run the Dutch national team, right? I think it's harder to coach an MLS than it is abroad. You can't just buy your way out of problems, you know, like yeah. um, you see it over and over again, you know? So, but no, definitely there's something to it. I mean, there's a, there's been a kind of a de- deluge of, and you're seeing teams, like I said, now spending 
significant money on coaches. That's not something we've seen in the past, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know Charlie Bohm has written about how we may be entering the age of the celebrity coach where you have <laughs> coaches who come in on rep- huge reputations and it sounds like they're getting paid that much too. Like, and it makes sense. Cause I mean, it's a low margin league, right? Everything that all the differences are so fine. So if you have an advantage in the coaching in the technical area, that's, that's who's, one way to who's get yourself over the hump. Dream MLS coach. And why is it Marcelo Bielsa? <laughs> man, I wanted Bielsa back when they, they know, hired man. an Alfo. Man. Yeah, I, I, I wanted him definitely for the U.S. job. That was always my thing. It was like, good, good God, just break the bank and get him. Right. And I'm like, yeah. This is long before Netflix documentaries and you know, like whatever or Amazon Prime documentaries, etc. So. I, yeah, I, don't I think know. you can actually go back and listen to old episodes of this show where I, I daydream about Bielsa <laughs> coaching one of my teams that I support. It's just, uh, it'd be so fun. It would be so chaotic, but so fun. Here's another thing is I wonder too, like somebody asked me the other day when I ran that Burrell piece, I can't think of any of Pep's assistants that have gone on to have like any significant success anywhere. Um, and that's really interesting to me because obviously he's sort of so universally lauded as this like tactical and not just a tactical master, but like a player's coach too. I mean, this rare sort of blend of all these things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But then you look at someone like Toronto who had success at YCSC, but then he went to Flamengo and got fired in less than 10 months, I want to say, and is now without a job, you know. Um, so I don't know. I guess it remains to be seen with Arteta, you know, but – right. I mean, Arsenal aren't, aren't doing great right now. They won the yeah. FA Cup, but they're not they're not doing great. Um, so I will say it's it sounds like Torrent stepped into just like an absolute hornet's nest. Like it's one, it's Brazilian soccer. You're already everything's amped up to the nth degree for for just that's how it is. But then like Flamengo also had like that like historically large COVID outbreak, and they were like, we still have to play games with like 15 players positive. Um, so I feel like maybe the the lesson there is like, maybe don't go coach a gigantic Brazilian club unless you're going to just win all of your games forever, because otherwise you might get fired in 10 months. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Pablo, do you you have any opinions about the, the the fact that it, it seems like DC United has not, uh, maybe because of their standing maybe they don't have the reputation enough, but it seems like they've flamed out or just not been able to dig into any Central America and South American uh, uh, coaching prospects. And what do you, what do you think the issue is there? Is it just they're, they're not able to get them? Is it they couldn't find the right person? What do you think is going on? I, there? I, don't think I, I just don't think the club right now is in a place where it wants to take a risk. I think – like, and I think that's all it is. I mean, and, and that's why you see them talking to so many MLS assistants. Pat Noonan, to me, would also be a great candidate. Um, yeah. It's not not like a sexy name. No offense, Pat Noonan. But, you know, <laughs> like, of the assistants, that's one that jumped out to me. I mean, I know I've spoken to Jim Curtin a bunch about him. He's been high on him for years. Um, and he's, you know, he's liked by players. He's sort of well-regarded. Um, so, like, that's one that kind of moves in me a little bit to me. but. But, you know, I think with DC, man, it's just like, if I'm being blunt, it's a combination of they don't want to spend money because they they really want to spend money on anything. And they also, this, this like, 
this hire has to go at least moderately well for them. You know, like it'd be yeah. disastrous if they moved on from Ben, had another year or two where they were just middling or even even really bad. They're already so relevant around here, <clears throat> you know, that I think you're just seeing them playing it safe, man. And also, man, it's 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 worth noting. They have like no scouting network anymore. Yeah. They don't. They don't I don't even know if they have a full time scout, honestly. Like that's something I've heard people in the front office say they want to work on in, in the coming years, but you know, that applies to coaching too. I mean, most yeah, of these candidates sure. who, most of these candidates who are on the radar now literally contacted the club. I mean, that's the way it usually works. You know what I mean? It's like it's not like DC cast a wide net and sort of gathered up Ezra Henderson and Pat Newman and blah blah blah. These people have agents who reached out, you know, so so I don't know. I'm not bad. Can you guys tell them in a bad you were just to say, like, say you were shot before this. I thought you'd be in a good mood after that. No, no. I've, been, <laughs> I've been working since six a.m. and it's ten thirty. So, so no oh, God. this is probably this is probably the most enjoyable thing I've done all day. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for that. At least, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll take that. Um, I know one question we get a lot is Chad Ashton seriously under consideration, or is it a courtesy? His inclusion in, uh, in the I finalist would, list. I, I would imagine it's a courtesy, right? Um, that having been said, Chad is also liked by a lot of the players. I don't think the club, I think per, the perception of his hire matters a lot to them. And I think, I'll put it to this way. So Nolan Sheldon, for example, just left for Austin. Yeah. Um, I assumed he would be the interim coach mm-hmm. because yeah, the general perception of the past few years has been that like he did a lot of the lifting tactically for the club and players loved him and stuff where Ben was more a man motivator. The thing is, I think with Nolan that ended up costing him because he was like associated with Ben. So, I mean, like you live and die by the results that the head coach, you know, produces. So I think the club from a perception stand, you know, point of view probably said, and I, I think maybe unfairly, but who knows, you know, we can't, you know, I think the same thing might happen to Chad where it's just like, you know, I don't think the club would, I, I think the club would take into consideration the fact that their entire fan base would probably like fairly or unfairly just kind of groan at that and be like, this is the, this is, this is why we got rid of a dude who is so closely associated with as a club legend is to like, you know, give the job to his assistant, you know? Um, I don't know, man. Uh, on the other hand, it's COVID. Maybe they want to save some money. I think if Chad had gotten in the playoffs and maybe like advanced around, you give him a one-year contract and see what happens. That would not have surprised me, but um, but I don't know. You know, I, it, it it's an interesting a. Speaking of Austin FC, it's an, it's just an interesting a b test to me, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Austin is going to be an expansion team, but like almost all of Austin's coaching staff could have could have been DC United's coaching staff uh, if if they had cut ties earlier or, or just done things. I mean, the Austin, I mean, the Austin yeah, logo is the Ben Olsen coaching tree. Yeah. Ben's yeah. Product, right. Like, right. Um, so it'll just be an interesting AB test to be like, look, look, we'll see how they do. Should, should they have hired Josh Wolf uh, right off the bench? Who knows? Do we count future Derby head coach Wayne Rooney as part of, part of <laughs> Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> that also might be part of his coaching tree. <laughs> I, I feel like just to irritate um, 
fans in England um, by informing them that Wayne Rooney is a disciple, first and foremost, of, of any, literally any American, I think that would be great. Um, for sure, for sure. It would, it would cause people to explode. Yeah. <laughs> the more you can do that to the English, the better, let's be honest. Um, speaking of explosions uh, it, it, that are kind of related to soccer, um, Pablo, you, you, today you, you dropped um, an amazing story about Soccer Slam. Um, the year 2000, soccer meets roller derby meets WWE. And I, I couldn't believe that this was 2000. It read more like early 90s to me, but everything, it, it happened. And no, I, it, it boggles so, my mind. You were alive in the year like 1999, right? This is so quintessentially... That's true. It, yeah, I mean, no, it, like was, a, it was the superstar era of WWE. It's just like, yeah. it, it, like it's not. I don't have a memory movie. of this, so it just feels like it should be older. Well, I didn't. You know, normally it's like I I got today. I got a lot of like, where did you find out about this? And honestly, <laughs> man, you know, most of the sort of obscure BS that I write about, I come across on my own. Alex Adams, my editor, like maybe eight or nine months ago, uh, literally called me on the phone and he said. Man, I just, I can't put my finger on what this was, but I was in college once and it was like an indoor soccer show, but there were like fights and there were like multiple balls in play and it was like a wrestling angle. And so obviously I was just like, then I went and found what it was. corner <laughs> of the internet on, on the creator's Vimeo page. I found the four episodes and watched the first one and I was just like, this is, this is absolutely insane. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's so bad. I'm sorry. It's just so bad <laughs> um, in a great way, obviously, but you know, it's like, it's just infused with like all the cultural and visual audiovisual sensibilities of the time. And, you know, I, I just can't, I can't. So obviously, yeah, then I just spent weeks of my life players, all of whom were too eager to, you know, they were plenty eager to talk about their careers get a guy who played like three seasons for the Des Moines menace and the PDL started and it's, it's pretty easy. You know? I, I love the, the, there's this idea that maybe even applies to DC's coaching search, which is that um, maybe they should approach coaching candidates and say, just come hear our pitch and we'll supply you with as much uh, pizza and soda <laughs> as you can eat. <laughs> just a dark windowless room. It and, worked. It worked for soccer slam. Yeah. 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 That might have been the one thing that worked. Yeah, maybe DC should just hire Bucky Rue, the coach of the Toronto. <laughs> a real chance here. You know? I mean, um, if if we can get a coach just prowling the sideline with a nine iron, I'm I'm not going to call that less than a win. Yeah, I mean, all these guys made a good point. They were just like, why wouldn't it work? Like, there was so much bad crap <laughs> on television that, like, yeah. you know, and they're totally right. It's like some of the stuff that was on back then was absolutely dreadful. Um, although in the best possible way. Uh, I, I watched an episode the other day, of, I don't know if you guys remember the show, uh, MTV Next. It's a oh, dating yeah. show where like, people get off a oh, bus. Yeah. And, yes. Like, There's like, you can just tap out and somebody yeah. else comes off the bus. And I was just like, this is kind of brilliant. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, this was uh, an absolute staple. Of my, my roommate brought the TV to my dorm room uh, in 2000, <laughs> was my freshman year. And so he... 
he wasn't the best roommate. And one of his things he was like, well, since it's my TV, I should get to control what we're watching most of the time. No, that's not a thing. Well, yeah. I, I didn't watch like I was just like that's I don't there's only like three things I'm interested in watching anyway so I'm this is not a fight that's worth picking this is a, it's yeah. wrong but also I don't care enough to bother um and he watched all of these garbage MTV shows so I saw probably like most uh, like or at least they were on in the background most of MTV next so I'm very yeah. familiar with the like dude gets off the bus dressed like he belongs in um that band O Town um, yes. Oh yeah, and it's like it's like uh, can't stand it when girls wear pink shoes. Um, yeah, all fat like finger guns, and and then that's that's his entire personality. Uh, and then he walks out, and the, the girl is like next before he even sits down, and so he just has to keep. Yeah, do their coaching search like an episode of MTV's Next. Next, next, yep. <laughs> Chris I, I was next, that. next, next. Exactly. It's not one during the day. The, the you know the, the date is like, oh, I'd like to. I'd like some control over player personnel. This is next. next. Like... <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could get into a like uh, you know every once in a while like MLS like the Miami Fusion fired or hired Ray Hudson out of the uh, broadcast booth. So at a certain point, like someone from the press box steps off the bus and then immediately gets nexted. Like I would volunteer to be like turned down immediately. It would just have to be Dave, like stepping off of the microphone and is like, Hey everybody, Dave Johnson next. It's Dave Johnson. Come on. You can't do that. And Frank McTavish comes out right after him and just like, next, I get it. Bye. He, he says next. <laughs> this is how the show was. Like the experience of these shows was actively cruel in a lot of ways. So this is like yeah. the most the most close to the bit, I think, as it can be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm I'm all for that. We'll let the team yeah. have that idea for free. Other other productions we're no, gonna have to no, charge a consulting no, fee. No, we won't no, have, I've been have anything for free. Yeah. I've been overruled. If DC United wants to use that, they have to pay uh, the four of us uh, a consulting yeah, yeah, yeah. fee. We'll we'll split we'll split it evenly. There you go. Yeah, I, I would I would I would miss this, but at the end by the end of the year, by the last game, I really miss fans. A lot. I miss having fans in stadiums. Uh, yeah. Like, and, and to be clear, I don't want them back until the shit is gone. But, yeah. um, but I don't know, man. The, the thought of like, I, you know, you hear like MLS is going to start up uh, in, in March, basically like like nothing happened, and I'm just like, man, we're in for like another yeah half year to a year at least of empty stadiums, and it's so so depressing. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know that up, but. Uh, <laughs> It here being able to like hear the coaches yelling uh was like very interesting for a couple of weeks and it's like this is a bummer. Um yeah. yeah. Like it, it is interesting, but it is sad that it's a, an option. Like I I don't like this option. Yeah, it, and yet it, when you look on TV and you see fans in stadiums in Orlando or Nashville or Columbus, uh, and it's just like, why are they there? Yeah. What is, what is happening? I mean, I, I I covered the playoff game in Philly, uh, and there were I will probably fifteen hundred people there, and it was I honestly, it felt stranger to have that few people there than zero. Yeah. Um, and it was just a sort of like, what's what's the point of this? You right. know, like, uh, so so I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we can get to a better place here in the next few months, but not. Yeah, I'll, maybe by <laughs> maybe by summer, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Crossing my fingers. fingers. Yeah. Well, 
we'll 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 end on that very very slightly more hopeful note. Yeah, Pablo, no, no. thanks. Thanks for coming on. If on the off chance one of our listeners doesn't already follow you, where can they do that? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Soccer Insider. <laughs> Please DM <laughs> with tips. MLS list, which, in retrospect, I there are many days when I wish I had a Twitter handle that didn't have the name of the league in it, but. Uh, this is my purse. So uh, <laughs> at MLSist uh, and at Pablo Mauer on Instagram. No one's going to follow me anyways, but I appreciate you doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find us at blackandredunited.com, uh, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially and you're able to do so. Uh, we're on Twitter, of course, at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. Tell them to listen to Pablo uh, dropping news on, on the podcast. Um, that's it for us. Thanking Pablo Maurer one more time. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Next.